We do not think that we've hit the bottom of the market. I think there's more bad news coming. I think the bad news um, will probably start in the next 60 days because I think there's a bunch of funds that were large crypto holders that um, were heavily leveraged inside DeFi and probably are liquid and probably are in the process of shutting down and they may not all have notified their LP base. So I think you have more kind of fund shutdown and fund liquidations coming. On this episode of Early Bird, Mike Jones, co-founder of investing fund Science Ventures. Mike joins the podcast today to talk about the current state of cryptocurrency investing, including why crypto prices are down in 2022 and how investors should approach crypto this year. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you where you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today on the Early Bird Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm out here in Colorado, and it's a beautiful day out. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it's a lovely day. Uh, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about the current cryptocurrency market, what retail investors should know in 2022. Uh, But before we get into that, Mike, let's talk about what our listeners should know about you. You have a really uh, impressive background, former CEO, I believe, of MySpace, and and now you're involved in in crypto and tech investing. Uh, Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, 30 seconds. What, What should the audience know about you, Mike? Sure. I, I started my career really as an entrepreneur operator. I built a series of businesses and was fortunate enough to, to sell them. Um, as I realized some, some personal gains, I became an active angel and venture investor, particularly in the Los Angeles region. I was recruited into private equity where I did turnarounds. I was recruited into MySpace where I attempted to turn around and ended up uh, obviously selling off most of, most of MySpace assets for, for News Corp. And then around, oh gosh, it's got to be 11, 12 years ago, I started what now is the multi-asset investing firm called Science, and uh, and Science really focuses on both venture investing, crypto investing, and then we have a public market SPAC practice. Oh, really cool. I'd love to delve into that a little bit later in this podcast. Um, But I guess before we move on any further, let's talk about crypto. I know that's one of the big areas you're focused on. I I guess in a nutshell, how would you describe the, the current state of the crypto market? Uh, well, I mean, let's see. The current state of the crypto markets, uh, you know, is definitely fear. I think you'd say is the current state, but it definitely matches us to the current state of the public market, right? And so you had this, you know, really big buildup of all the liquid assets over the last two years during COVID, and then what looks to be like a long unwind, um, especially within the kind of high growth, high risk technology sector, crypto and public public stocks included, um, and that unwind's obviously been happening for most of this year. Yeah, uh, most prices of cryptos are down, down by a lot. 
Um, what, what, you know, in your conversations with other investors in the space, what, what are they saying about cryptocurrency this year? Well, let's see. I mean, I, I, I've been fortunate to be involved in kind of crypto since 2014 is when I think we started buying and, and setting up our trading practices. During the previous swells where, where Bitcoin in particular had risen to some great heights and then fallen, in most cases, I would say when I talked to institutional investors then, their statement was, we always knew it was a Ponzi scheme, good riddance. Um, I think today, what's, what's interesting is, you know, when I talk to institutional investors now, what they're saying to me is, we, we do believe there's a future for digital assets. We do believe there's a future for Bitcoin. We're interested on how we start entering the market. So most of this year, when we talk to LPs, they may not be ready today to start deploying large sellers in the market, but they're definitely figuring out their strategy. They're meeting different managers. They're they're you know kind of preparing how they want to start having um, you know how they want to start having access to the market and and uh, involved in the market. So it's a definitely a different discussion than it was during the previous swells. Mm, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the, the the way that crypto is viewed now in 2022, it's a little bit different than it has been in the year before 2021 and in 2020 as well. Um, what about retail investors? Do you think their view of crypto has changed at all this year? Well, I mean, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it has. I mean, during the during the, the previous swell when it was you know when crypto when Bitcoin was reaching you know sixteen thousand seventeen thousand or in that range, I remember coaching like my son's soccer team, and I would be talking to parents on the soccer field about them taking out components of the retirement program and buying into, you know, Bitcoin. And it was always that process. They started with Bitcoin, but then they wanted more exotic coins and they wanted access to exchanges. They were looking at ICOs. And, um, and so they, you know, that swell obviously hit people really hard. Um, hopefully most of them had the tenacity to hold through the dip and hopefully they either got out of the peak or maybe they're still above their entry price. I think now on the retail side, I mean, Generally, most people I talk with, and, and granted, I'm, t I'm probably talking to more high net worth investors, everyone's, you know, pretty damaged right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not fitting, finding a lot of people that are quote unquote winning with their strategies. In most cases, they're pairing their crypto losses with their kind of liquid stock market losses. Um, everyone's holding their breath. Everyone's hopeful that this most recent rally or the rally a few days ago was the signal on the bottom or... Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think people are people are nervous, people are damaged, and and they, in my opinion, is they should probably be setting in for what might be a longer recovery than they anticipate. Mm, you're you're absolutely right. It may not may not be so much a crypto winter as it is a crypto summer, and quite frankly, a crypto year or or multiple crypto years, and not in a good way, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you, you compared, Mike, the, the crypto markets to the public markets, which are also down this year. W what do you attribute the uh, drop in crypto prices this year to be? Is, is it, you know, inflation? Are we talking rising interest rates? Is it the war in Europe? But what are you attributing the decline to? Well, I, I do see it very correlated with the public markets, right? So if I pull way back, I think, okay, we entered COVID and there was this massive stock market pullback. Um, and then there was this, uh, I think, realization that we can all work from home, that there's, you know, there's life beyond the initial hit of COVID. And then there was this consistent flow of government subsidies, whether it's the companies or through breaks or through, you know, stimulus checks. And I think a bunch of those dollars, you know, fueled, um, you know, fueled a lot of consumption and a lot of consumerism and a lot of purchasing and that drove stock prices up. I think you kind of can also pair that with the fact that you know, as Bitcoin started to show movement in the last two years, 
a lot of the same large head funds and uh, investing firms that were buying publicly traded tech stocks kind of added Bitcoin to their roster of things they would buy. And so if they were looking at tech exposure, they would plonk Bitcoin in there. And if you were a part of a mutual fund, a high-risk mutual fund or a technology-focused mutual fund, suddenly Bitcoin, whether you're buying the direct coins, you're buying the um, you know the, the synthetic products on the market, um, you know the, that's now part of your trading portfolio. And I think when that happened, um, as dollars flowed greater and greater into those funds, you know Bitcoin rose along with the public stocks. Um, maybe it was because of the additional stimulus through you know through through checks and, and consumer behavior. Maybe it was through just you know you had a really healthy economy or what looked to be a very healthy economy, and there was more free cash flowing. But more and more money you know drove into these sectors, and then you know, call it mid-December this last year, suddenly the stimulus checks were out. We're kind of at the end of COVID or at the end of like COVID fear state. And, you know, and now maybe there's this great unwind that's kind of taking us all back to levels pre-COVID, both from the public market stock perspective and from the price of Bitcoin. So I think these things are very, very correlated. Yeah, I, I see that. I can see how both uh, markets are or, are correlated. Um, I do also see, you know, the, the good news with, you know, I always try to put a positive spin on things. You know, the public markets are down. It might be a good opportunity to buy the dip on some stocks potentially. Totally agree. And, and same thing with crypto. That's the, uh, that's the, the, you know, the good thing. You might be able to buy the dip on some very low prices that you couldn't get a year ago or two years ago in crypto. But on the, the flip side, now you have, you know, I think this downfall may have exposed more of the risk associated with crypto. You know, banks are FDIC insured. These crypto platforms are not. We've seen a few that, you know, they're doing layoffs and hiring freezes. They're, uh, some of these crypto platforms are not allowing people to take out their money. Um, do you think that this year kind of exposed the, the dark side of crypto? Um, I don't know if it's, I'm not necessarily sure it's a dark side. I actually think there was a darker side of crypto through a lot of the ICO movements in, you know, 2016, 17. I think what this might have exposed is as you have, um, as you have people that have exited Wall Street step into crypto, they're using a lot of the same strategies that they use within Wall Street, which in this case, we could just point to heavy leverage. They're using heavy amounts of leverage, but because you know, they're raising funds or borrowing funds and creating leverage against these, you know, frankly, highly volatile assets. They aren't saddled with the same conservative restrictions and protections afforded by the traditional financial markets. And then, you know, when it blows up or something moves, you know, it moves against their, their trading direction, suddenly it exposes a bunch of big problems. And those problems might lead to huge sell-offs. And because crypto still is honestly a thinly traded asset class, those huge sell-offs can have absolute impact on price. So I'm not necessarily, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I think there were darker, more fraudulent behaviors happening during the first kind of movement of ICOs. I think what you're seeing today is just financial, you know, market tactics being applied to an unregulated industry and probably will happen as it will become more regulated and hopefully we'll see less volatility because there'll be less chances of these mass liquidations, which is what we've really seen in the last few months. We'll see if that happens. When we return, we'll hear from Mike about how crypto might perform in the second half of 2022 and the current state of SPACs. But first, let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, 
investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, back to today's discussion. So, Mike, today we're talking about the crypto markets, the state of the crypto markets here in 2022. Um, looking beyond, has anything that happened this year in the crypto markets, all the declines in the prices, has, has that um, made you reevaluate your view of crypto long term? Uh, no, it, it really hasn't. I mean, I, I still fundamentally believe that, you know, a, a very digitally minded world needs a very digitally minded currency. I think that Bitcoin will, you know, have a long brand and a long store value for people. I think that there's a lot of products being built on protocols like ETH and Solana and, and even Matic, which is obviously an ETH um, side chain. Um, I, I, we're still believers. I think that consumer adoption of a lot of these things is probably way further out than we anticipate. And that's, um, that's pretty, you know, frankly, that's been a big surprise for us. So when we were starting to build our own projects in 2016 and 17, we thought we were two or three years out from consumer adoption. You know, even projects that I look at now with a more of a consumer bent, I think could still be five plus years out. You know, maybe NFTs are the first consumer, you know, consumer use of crypto beyond just, you know, value transfer. And I'd argue that the number of users actually touching and utilizing NFTs is still really, really small. So consumer adoption, I still think, has a long way to go. But I'm a big believer in the technology. I really like the autonomy and the distributed nature of it. I like the fact that I could actually own something that sits within some secured wallet that I would host and manage myself. I like the fact that's not inside a centralized database. I think that that provides a lot of interesting uses beyond just value transfer. Mm. So yeah, we, we maintain high conviction still. Got it. Um, so let's talk about the rest of this year then. You know, obviously the first half of the year is over. It wasn't that pleasant for crypto. Um, what about the second second half of 2022? What do you think investors, uh, in particular retail investors, should look forward to in the second half of the year in the crypto markets? So I mean, you know, talking with our various you know trading groups, um, our, our general perspective right now is that we do not think that we've hit the bottom of the market. I think there's more bad news coming. I think the bad news um, will probably start in the next 60 days because I think there's a bunch of funds that were large crypto holders that um, were heavily leveraged inside DeFi and probably are liquid and probably are in the process of shutting down and they may not all have notified their LP base. So I think you have more kind of fund shutdown and fund liquidations coming. I think that's one piece of it. The second piece is we think that there's a series of large unlocks that are basically tied to those liquidations where if somebody had pledged some collateral and that collateral has somewhat of a time lock on it and the fund went out of business and then the, um, you know, the, the, the lender to that fund then took over that collateral. And if that collateral unlocks, I suspect the lender will liquidate that collateral. And so one thing we ask ourselves is how much collateral do we think um, is in the market? That are now that's now being held and controlled by lenders who have no appetite to hold and when do we think those unlocks are and what assets do we think that that impacts if there's large sell you know sell volume hitting so we think that there's just still more damage to come from these kind of DeFi driven or over leveraged funds that have liquidated and um i think it could take you know i think it could take a, a, another quarter maybe even two more quarters to kind of see the full impact of that before we in theory hit bottom and then I think once we hit bottom, I think you do have a lot of institutional interest on deploying more dollars 
within the asset class. And once, you know, once that kind of shift turns, I think that you'll, you'll see a lot of funds pulling in and then, then hopefully we'll get to strong price recovery. All right. Interesting outlook. You know, we're not, bo- we're not at the bottom yet, but it's good that, you know, you kind of thought we're kind of see where we're kind of headed there in the crypto markets. Um, I do want to kind of focus right now a bit on, uh, you said you have a SPAC. Um, it, it, I think it's very interesting. I don't think I've spoken to anybody on this podcast before who has a SPAC. Tell me, tell me about your SPAC. What, what, what is it? Um, what exactly, uh, what, what, tell me any details you have. Sure. What, when did the SPAC come out? Sure. That type of thing. Oh, that's a good question. So, I mean, we, you know, we've all, you know, in addition to crypto, we have a large venture practice that focuses heavily on kind of consumer brands and services. Mm-hmm. We launched a SPAC just over, uh, you know, a few months over a year ago to focus on finding, you know, a late stage company that we as the venture team could get involved in, you know, bring value to and obviously shepherd their way into the public markets. The SPAC was well received, obviously, at the time. Um, you know, we, you know, we're in the process of, of searching for deal like many SPACs. Um, but, you know, as you know, there's a few challenges right now. One is that the public markets are not highly receptive to um, certain types of companies, which means that for some companies that are extremely strong, it may not be the right time for them to go out into the public markets. So um, that's obviously a big consideration when we're talking to companies that may want to get involved, you know, with our SPAC. And the second piece is there's been, you know, rules changes um, through the SEC in regards to SPACs. And that just makes it a little bit more complicated as you're working with banks and law firms around how you approach bringing a company out into those public markets. And when you combine those two things, along with kind of, you know, quote unquote, bad public news um, happening pretty frequently, it makes for obviously a challenging market to find the right company that you think can perform really well within within the public sector. Um, so we're we're in that process, and obviously talking to companies every single day, or at least the SPAC team is, along with myself, and trying to find that right, trying to find the right business. Okay, uh, yeah, in- interesting. I you know it, uh, I hope certainly works out with the SPAC um, that that your company has. I, I'm just curious, you know, between the SPAC and crypto, both are obviously you know two big topics that are on the minds of retail investors across the country. But, you know, critics will say that both of those spaces, cryptocurrency and SPACs, they can come across as kind of like a bubble. What, what, what do you make of that? Um, you mean, I, I, like, you mean that they, they've been in the bubble? I mean, that critics they... might say, oh, these are just bubbles, you know, any hype behind them, they're just hype, that there's nothing real here, you should avoid SPAC investments, avoid crypto investments. What, you know, they, they both oh. kind of share that kind of criticism. Well, there are two you know, very different things, right? So, um, you know, if you look over the, the, you know, technology companies that have gone public or gone, either gone public through a traditional IPO or gone public through a SPAC over the last, call it, you know, uh, you know, over the last, call it 18, 24 months, you know, both methods of entering the public markets have been heavily penalized um, in price. So it's not that SPACs are bad or IPOs are bad, right? You're in a very difficult public market for um, low EBITDA, high growth, technology-driven businesses. Um, that's not really going to change. And whether you decided to go public via IPO or SPAC, chances are, um, if you invested in that company, regardless of the method, they've been they've been you know equally damaged from a pricing perspective. So I don't think that you can just say SPACs are bad. If you're saying SPACs are bad, you're basically saying going public is bad. And maybe right now, but going public is extremely difficult. Crypto is a completely different 
animal, right? Like in crypto, it's a it's basically a different type of investment. It looks much more like speculative venture. You know, you're buying into protocols, you're buying into assets that um, you're believing have you know future business and consumer application and use. Um, you know, it, it, and you're and you're you have to examine the ecosystem see if people are adopting those things, and you're assuming that the greater adoption will drive a great price. So, um, just completely different things, right? I think generally, liquid assets over the last you know six eight months have been had a very difficult time. The liquid assets could be crypto. The liquid assets could be SPAC shares. The liquid assets could be public stock market shares within, especially the technology sector. All three have been very difficult for people, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put them all in a single bucket as like they're all good or all bad. It's like they're all liquid, and liquids had a very difficult journey. Got it. It's just it's a, it's a timing of all those things. It's not a good timing for for most liquid investments. I understand. Um, that's right. Mike, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the Early Bird Podcast. Uh, before we wrap up today's um, episode, I just have one final question, and it's the most important question for today's discussion. Uh, that, that question is, Mike, if you could eliminate one food so no one could ever eat it again, what food would you destroy? Oh, that's hilarious. You know, I think as a child, my, my mom once made me eat something called chipped beef. And it's always stayed with me as I will, I will never need to eat chipped beef again. And, and I'm happy to remove it from, from the planet in the service of everyone else. <laughs> Very noble of you. Thank you again to Mike Jones for sharing your insights on cryptocurrency. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion. We'll be back next week for another episode of Early Bird. Have a great day.